Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. This week, we will be discussing antiques in fiction, specifically the horror novella called Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke by Eric Laraca. The blurb is as follows. Sadomasochism. Obsession. Death. (laughs) A whirlpool of darkness churns at the heart of a macabre ballet between two lonely young women in an internet chatroom in the early 2000s. A darkness that threatens to forever transform them once they finally succumb to their most horrific desires. What have you done today to deserve your eyes? (laughs) Now, from that description, you may be wondering, why are we discussing this on our Antiques podcast? And that is because the plot hook, the thing that kicks it all off for this particular story, is the sale of an antique apple peeler. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, Dee, what can you tell us about antique apple peelers? Mostly that they are not worth several hundred dollars. Um, (laughs) I can start there. But yeah, I would say 90% of the time they are not worth several hundred dollars. Is there a circumstance wherein an apple peeler would be worth several hundred dollars? Because I am struggling to think of one. There's a couple, like an industrial apple peeler slash corer for, you know, an industrial pie factory. That's got a lot of crossover appeal for people who like big pieces, rustic pieces. They tend to be large. They tend to be much rarer. There's probably specific companies that you can get a lot of money for. But the one in the story is not an industrial apple peeler. It is a handheld, weirdly shaped knife, as most apple peelers are. Yeah, (laughs) it actually says uh, in the fictional ad in the book, and it actually says rich history, and then she just describes how her parents purchased it, and that is it, which is like, everyone does love a story, but it does not actually enhance the value. Within the book itself, it said that it was used by Charles Ives, the composer, during a family picnic. (laughs) And while that is provenance of a kind and provenance particularly provenance related to famous people usually ups an item's value that's extremely unprovable provenance especially since (laughs) to the best of my knowledge there are no photos of him holding this apple peeler right (laughs) i think i'd be more confused if there were but willing to concede (laughs) that that increases the value wait 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 charles before you peel that apple (laughs) hold on wait we gotta get a picture of the happy family with their apple peeler (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I had a hundred bucks for every time someone tried to sell me an alarm clock that belonged to Truman Capote, (laughs) I would have enough money to buy all the clocks they tried to sell me. It's, you have to be able to prove it. I don't think he owned as many alarm clocks as I've been sold. So the premise of the story, which is in no way explained in the spooky spooky blurb, is that two young women, Agnes and Zoe, meet on a queer internet forum because Agnes wants to sell an apple peeler. (laughs) I don't know why she needs to go specifically on a- Okay, no, maybe I do know why. Because- There is a very real connection between the queer community and the antiques community. (laughs) But given how the rest of the book shakes out, I don't know that the author was aware of that. (laughs) It's of many favorite parts. That's very much one of them. I (laughs) go on my local queer chat and I say, who wants to buy my absurdly expensive apple peeler? Because she acknowledges (laughs) that it's an antique apple peeler and furthermore drops the Charles Ives story and then subsequently asks for $250 for it. Oh, she'll settle for $220. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, like I said, that's not really the price that you should come to expect of an apple peeler. At least not one that isn't in some way remarkable. Again, if you don't have the photo of Charlie using it, your story's bunk. Yeah, I mean, I actually, for, for this recording, I opened up eBay and I have a whole display of sold apple peelers in front of me. Now what's the average price, D? For a really nice one, about 25 to $50. Whoa, that's almost 10% of her asking price. Yeah, like for a regular one, 10 to 20. Um, the hundreds are either for very specific companies that are regionally important, which I have seen one in 10 pages, or commercial ones, which, as I explained earlier, have a whole different collectability to them. Also, they're just much bigger. <laughs> It'd be so much funnier if the composer Ives had an industrial apple peeler at his picnic. Listen, we have to peel a lot of apples at this picnic. My family wants to eat these apples very quickly. <laughs> My children are screaming. I have to feed my entire family on these apples and I have to do it fast. That's all I brought for the picnic. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you log into your... Because you know your queer friends are always the ones who have the most money, right? Yeah, for sure. That's definitely been my experience. <laughs> you, so you log into your favorite queer forum. And you, you ignore all of their GoFundMes for their medical treatments. And you say, who... Who is the first to buy my almost $300 apple peeler, whose value seems to be that I owned it? <laughs> what a great start. <laughs> but then Zoe takes Agnes up on this offer. Yeah, she seems to want to buy it because she and her grandpa listened to Charles Ives, which is, that's one reason to buy a thing. And holding his apple peeler is basically the same thing. <laughs> And it was definitely owned by him. We have no proof of this. <laughs> it was definitely his. And I know what you're thinking. How does this become a horror plot? Well, strap in. Because this $250 absurd purchase of the apple peeler quickly spirals into Zoe paying Agnes's rent in return for sadomasochistic submission. <laughs> And it's, isn't it? <laughs> From here on out, this episode's going to get gross. And it's not because we're slut shaming or kink shaming. It's because this author has very specific, very weird desires. And like, I can't stress enough that that's fine, but the way it was sold was not indicative of that. No, it's supposed to be like a dark, compelling psychological thriller that makes you question your own sanity as you're reading it, a la House of Leaves, or if you're a little more basic, The Secret History. I believe it was also marketed as sort of like darkly erotic so like kind of pushing the limits of what you understand eroticism can be and it will be uncomfortable but it's still rooted in that which is th this is part of how it was sold to me it's sold the way all those hastily rewritten devil worse prada fan fictions are usually sold I, I think they actually deliver more on the premise than this generally almost assuredly yes because the BDSM that Zoe and Agnes engage in is one, not safe, sane, or consensual, and two, it mostly involves eating bugs. It involves so much eating bugs. It's very, the author read how to eat fried worms at exactly the wrong time in their life, and then just kind of really needed to recreate that experience, but create two lesbian puppets to do it. Well, you're skipping over their introduction into their dark, erotic BDSM lifestyle, is that the sub gets fired from work for being a little too confident, which I thought was, was I thought was kind of odd. It's one of the first tells that this wasn't written by a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's, um... 
Yeah, it was, it's literally like, oh, you should wear that thing that you've been afraid to wear, which I actually do think is an interesting introduction into like, oh, obey me, and there's going to be a payoff, you'll feel more confident. So she wears the flirty red dress, kind of short, makes her feel very confident, and that day she is fired. <laughs> um, okay. Sure. Sure. You know what? My suspension of disbelief will go that far. But the bulk of the dark, spooky BDSM orders from Zoe to Agnes are, eat this bug. Now eat this bug. <laughs> now eat this bug. Now take a salamander and smoosh it. Smoosh the salamander. And she's like, but it makes me sad to smoosh the salamander. And she says, I don't care. That's what it means to be alive. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> the phrase that you'll see repeated very often with people who are fans of this book is what have you done to deserve your eyes and that is specifically attached to the act of smooshing a salamander to death okay admittedly i do often think to myself independent of this book what have i done today to deserve my eyes and it can be like a motivating phrase to like go out and accomplish at least one small thing every day but I don't know that salamander smushing has ever felt like an accomplishment to me. On the other hand, I've never tried it. But I don't think I will. No, I don't think I will either. And this culminates in Zoe and Agnes saying they want to have a baby together. But alas, two cisgender lesbians, they cannot accomplish this. Woe, tragedy, etc. But wait, they've got the next best thing. Zoe has a cracking idea. <laughs> She tells Agnes to infect herself with a tapeworm, which I feel like in the hands of a female author, this could maybe be like a meta commentary on the parasitic nature of pregnancy. But because it's Eric LaRocca, I'm gonna go ahead and say that it's just more weird bug fetishism. There isn't enough buildup to the character that I would be willing to have that good faith to assume that this is like a statement on parasitism and like the pressure to have a child. It just feels like a woman gets baby fever because that's just the one thing all women do no matter what. Yeah. Real real insight into the female psyche from this author. Yeah. And as a result, it's a great setup for the author's very specific fetish. And the way that the parasite happens is just gross. Yeah, Zoe has Agnes leave a raw steak out in the sun until it starts getting worms. And she munches down. Again, a lot of this feels less like sadomasochistic mindfuckery and more like, what if you ate some food that was bad? Would that be fucked up or what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, and of course it goes in this like long, you know, I think it's like three pages. Which is a lot of pages in a very short story. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like, it's just the, 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 not the author. Well, the author, yes. It's just the character describing how gross it is to eat books. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> which, yeah, okay. <laughs> It was strange. It was very strange. I had actually had hopes because the dark psychological thing I thought was actually like being introduced interestingly with the idea of you should dress more like the slut you want to be. And I was like, interesting, you know, preying on someone's sense of empowerment is a good way to get in their head. And then it just, it's like watching a, the trolley derail. And then she's just eating bugs. And then her dom is like, oh, this is fucking weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm a dip. <laughs> Zoe says, actually, you having a tapeworm is too much for me. I'm out. Go to a doctor. <laughs> That's a lot. And Agnes is like, no, I want to keep your baby. 
the tapeworm. And it's ambiguous because it's an epistolary story, so the entire thing is told in emails between Agnes and Zoe. But as I understand it, Agnes then goes into a closet, stabs herself with the apple peeler, which she still has because Zoe said, no, I want you to keep it. So again, why is the apple peeler here? (laughs) Stabs herself with the apple peeler and then her last email to Zoe announces that she has, quote, given birth to their, quote, son and that he has Zoe's eyes. Which shapeworms don't have those, so. But she's crazy because of all the sadomasochistic torture of bug eating. But she's crazy. Whoa. It's one of those very small details that literally no one would care about because they'd be like, why is she eating bugs? (laughs) But like, there's a part where like she describes the tapeworm and she's like, I know tapeworms are hermaphroditic. This is the correct term for a worm. They are. Yes. Scientifically speaking, yes. It's the correct term for an animal. Please don't use that word on humans. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it is not correct for human. But then she just says, wouldn't it be nice to think of it as a boy? I've decided it's a son. And I don't know, like, you really just let your psyche loose on that whole paragraph, huh? Didn't you? Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I feel like I know more about the author in that than any other part of this. Maybe that was the real sadomasochistic mindfuck. Was the author forcing their psyche onto the reader? <laughs> making me read this. Was the ultimate, like, d- <laughs> Like, the true discomfort isn't the eating bugs, it's the you reading about the eating bugs and knowing the author gets off on this. That's the true horror. I got dommed hard. <laughs> I got dommed hard by buying this book. It's a very meta text. Yeah, by the way, very. it's very subtle the way she kills herself in a closet. Do you get it? The lesbian dies in the closet. Symbolism. I think it could only have been, like, funnier if it had been in a bed. <laughs> I think lesbian bed death as a concept is a little too niche even for this author, (laughs) who I don't think did a whole lot of research into lesbians or the lesbian community before writing this. I'm very curious if lesbians have set eyes on this. Uh, Did they deserve them? (laughs) The ones that I have seen did not enjoy the story. The ones that I know did not particularly enjoy the story. The Goodreads reviews are a lot of actual lesbians saying, please stop writing bad trauma porn about lesbians. Yeah. Because trauma porn about lesbians specifically is a whole exploitative subgenre for about a century now. Yeah. If not more so. (laughs) The apple peeler didn't deserve this. Let's just say it. The apple peeler deserved better. The apple peeler deserved its eyes. Has anyone passed a tapeworm that quickly? I don't think she passed it. I think she carved it out of herself with the apple peeler. Oh, is that what I was supposed to understand? It's epistolary, so it's hard to know. It is ambiguous, yes, but I think that's what ultimately has happened, because otherwise, why stab yourself with the apple peeler? Well, see, I, okay, I have actually a copy open, and there is the paragraph starts with, I passed it just like you said, Um, but I guess this is a non-reliable narrator. Also, like, passing a tapeworm doesn't mean it's out of you unless you, like, get the head off, which is usually embedded in the intestinal wall. I mean, yeah, there's probably, like, way more in there, too. Yeah. Um, this is a reminder to follow all of the FDA's suggestions for cooking meat. And don't, don't, get, into, don't get into a darkly sadomasochistic relationship where they suggest you eat bugs a lot. And also, if you find yourself eating spoiled meat and acquiring worms, go to a doctor. <laughs> yeah. This is great if you like splatterpunk, I guess. I have no patience for that genre. I feel like Splatterpunk has more fun to it. It used to. You should see what they're passing off of Splatterpunk these days. Oh god. So, would this story have been improved if the apple peeler were accurately priced is, I guess, my big question. Honestly, yes. 
Because I think at that point, it would have been more obvious that the Dom, that her intentions were questionable. Her intentions were financially to manipulate Agnes and kind of force her into a subservient position where she felt like she owed Zoe something. Yeah, like, I feel like that actually would be punchier if the apple peeler were cheaper. Like, if she says, all right, I'll sell it to you for 10, and she's like, okay, I'm giving you a thousand, and then you're immediately like, whoa, that's literally a hundred times the asking price, what's going on here? but I'm also in financial dire straits, so I don't really have a choice but to accept it. Yeah, exactly. And then she's in Zoe's debt, and then the bug smushing can begin! Ooh, spooky! Would that be fucked up or what? Yeah, it it would establish this sort of, like, identification of weakness. Say, oh, you're helpless. You're in a rough spot. You probably feel very alone here. Which it does get into a little bit, to its credit. She does describe how she was abandoned by her family for being gay, which, (laughs) you know, that's why she killed herself in the closet, I guess. Womp womp. (laughs) Subtlety? I don't know that, queen. I thought it was enough to just have her explain that her family hated her for being a lesbian, but I guess I thought stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I think that that would have worked better. When I see someone selling a $500 apple peeler, I think, well, here's a guy with free time. Um... I guess you could also, like, if perhaps the advertisement was like, hey, I know this is an insane number, but I really need to make rent. Something like that. Or if Zoe looked at the $250 price tag on a fucking apple peeler and said, this person's clearly delusional, which means they're, (laughs) you know, psychologically going to be way more vulnerable (laughs) to whatever I try to do to them. That would make more sense. Well, maybe that is what the author was going for. I don't think the author knows that level of subtlety. I don't think the author has ever met that kind of subtlety before. I don't think that author has ever glimpsed that subtlety across the room at a party. (laughs) I don't think they've ever exchanged a telling glance before beginning a deeply dark and fucked up psychosexual relationship that ends with them squishing bugs. (laughs) I don't think that's happened between this author and subtlety. Darkly erotic. Sorry, everything about this book, everything about this book cracks me up. I've just found the part, the the ad. I was going to begin this with some absurd comment about the irony of posting about an apple peeler in a queer discussion forum when most of us are probably triggered by the mere mention of the word fruit. Wow. It's got nothing to do with anything I was talking about, but it's a very, like, Patton Oswalt joke. <laughs> and I wanted oh, to make sure you man. all heard it. Oh, boy. Well, final thoughts, D, on things have gotten worse since we last spoke. When you're writing two characters, don't have them both speak in the exact same kind of purple prose. Especially if it's an epistle or a novel and you don't get any Zoe said or Agnes said, and you just have to remember whose email address is whose as you read back-to-back two identical-sounding emails over and over and over again. Yeah, I know we're supposed to be wrapping up, but there was actually a period while I was reading this where I thought the twist was going to be that it was the same woman. A lot of reviewers have said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, because they talk the exact same like and that would have been also an interesting ending that actually would have been very fascinating like oh i she controlled herself like she built this fantasy because she's brain sick or whatever because she's that fucking lonely yeah it, it like it, you know like isn't it scary when someone's mentally ill is cheap but i actually would have taken that over this <laughs> it's less cheap than squishing bugs and i mean it's still like at the end of this it's still kind of like wouldn't it be messed up if someone had brain problems it's still not quite as cheap as the average apple 
apple peeler. <laughs> but pretty cheap. My sincere apologies to people who do have valuable apple peelers. I would actually love to know more about what makes them special and what makes them valuable. Do you have a valuable apple peeler? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Don't email it to me in a weirdly purple ad. I'm not going to make you eat bugs. Don't even try that with me. Also, don't email us telling us to eat bugs because we're not going to do it. Don't don't send us anything darkly erotic. (laughs) We're not interested. (laughs) Apple peelers only. Safe for work apple peeler content only. (laughs) (laughs) Don't spend money on this because you think it's funny. If you are splatterpunk, then yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. There are better books out there that are more worth your time. Sources for this episode include Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke by Eric LaRocca (laughs) and the Amazon page and Goodreads page thereof. And eBay for telling me how much people have purchased apple peelers for. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends. You can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com, or you can check us out on Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you want to tell us how much you hate us for talking smack on your favorite book, don't do that. <laughs> Instead, go away and let someone else write a review about how much they like our podcast by scrolling on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leaving us a review where you're like, haha, very good. Let me tell you about apple peelers five stars thank you for the accurate antique apple peeler pricing <laughs> information that i did not get from things have gotten worse since we last spoke and if you would like to get into the spirit of the spooky season you can check out our patreon at patreon.com slash antiques freaks where every week we are reading and reviewing a chapter of the victorian penny dreadful varney the vampire or the feast of blood despite its wacky zany antics still way scarier and more chilling than things have gotten worse since we last spoke yeah, I am way more afraid of being killed and thrown in an icebox, so... By a vampire. By a vampire. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs>